Are you in search of a closer relationship with Jesus Christ and a better understanding of the basic truths of Christian faith? If so, please join us for Simple Secrets of the Kingdom, a series of Bible studies developed by Reverend James Otterness and taught by Skip Hedgepeth, board member of Good News Ministries and Bible teacher at Christ Church in Midland, Texas. Hi, I'm Skip Hedgepeth and welcome to Simple Secrets of the Kingdom. Simple Secrets of the Kingdom is a series of 26 Bible studies on the basic elements of the Christian faith. And this is the 17th in the, uh, in the series. And uh, if you are just tuning into Simple Secrets maybe for the first time, I encourage you to, to, uh, to, to watch. And, and this series will be run uh, for uh, beginning again in the... Uh, with the first one before long, so stay tuned. And, and also, if you've been watching for a while and, you en and you're enjoying Simple Secrets, uh, ask, tell your friends about it. And I know that if they watch, they'll get a blessing, not because I'm teaching it, but because we're opening up the Word of God. And uh, anytime you open up God's book, a blessing's going to come to you. So, uh, so thank you for tuning in today. And today, we're going to continue in our study about the church Last week, we studied about uh, who the church is and how the church is the called out people of God. Today, we're going to talk about what the mission of the church is. And so before we open up the scripture to Matthew, let's, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we love you so much, and we thank you that you called us out, and we thank you that you give us work to do too, Lord. And Lord, but even more than that, thank you that you give us the power to do what you've called us to do. Today, I pray for everyone who's listening that they might begin to, to be encouraged in what their mission is as a person of God so that they might join those who have been called out and sent out through the ages uh, to do the work you've called us to do. Bless us, Lord. Strengthen us and give us the faith and the courage for that calling. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, as always, we're going to start in the Scripture, and uh, we're going to start in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19. This is what has been called by many throughout the ages the Great Commission of the Lord Jesus. This is where Jesus uh, commissions His church to do the work. And, uh, and I'll read starting in verse 19. Jesus says, I think I'll start in verse 18. And Jesus said, came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always to the close of the age. So Jesus starts out by saying where the authority for this calling comes from. And he says, all authority, not only earthly authority, but authority of heaven has been given to him. Jesus, remember, is God in the flesh. And so he had authority not only over earth, but over heaven because he created it all. As creator, he had all authority. And out of his godly authority over his creation, he sends us out. And he says, uh, the calling is to go. Very simply, to begin with, the calling is go. And uh, that may come as a shock to some. 
because the calling for the church of Jesus Christ is not to sit. In other words, to come in the church and sit, and the calling is to come to Him, but then to go out. The work of the church is out in the world. And so he says, go. And uh, the calling is to go and make disciples of all nations. And to make a disciple is, is to go out and through your witnessing, through your encouraging, through teaching, to, uh, to help people become followers of Jesus Christ. A disciple is a learner, first of all, and then a follower. And to follow Jesus means to do what he said in the power of his spirit. And so some people think that the disciples are just the 12 uh, that uh, Jesus called to himself in the New Testament. But, but what we learn here is that those, it, the calling to be a disciple didn't end with the 12, with Peter, James, and John, and Andrews, and Andrew and the others. Uh, it really began there. Their job was to go out and make other disciples. And then now, Jesus says, it's our job also to go out and make disciples, to help people become followers, obedient followers of Him uh, through faith, empowered by His Spirit. And He says, to make them of all nations. And so the call to be a disciple, uh, to make disciples, is not just for the USA, is it? Because it definitely didn't begin here. Uh, we are, uh, the believers in the USA are disciples of Jesus because of the work that began over there in Jerusalem to begin with, and then it went outward from there. But uh, we are called to make disciples of all nations, he tells us. And all nations uh, is sometimes today people say, well, there are, there are some countries that believe in other gods. And so we should let them alone and just let them do whatever they want to do. Well, our calling is to go out and to tell all nations about Jesus Christ. They themselves will choose to believe or to not believe, and that's their own choice, just like it is our own choice. But our calling is to go out and to tell all nations so that all people might have an opportunity to come into a saving knowledge of the truth of Jesus Christ. And so the way that we do that, he says, is by, first of all, baptizing. And so baptizing really comes in at the first part of your faith life with Jesus. Uh, make disciples by baptizing them and by teaching them to observe all things that he has commanded. And so number one is baptizing. Number two is teaching. And you notice he says, uh, he doesn't say to teach them just some of the things that he has commanded. He says, teach them all that I've commanded you. And so uh, I was one time in, a, in a, a body of believers that had a teacher who, who really only was interested in teaching about the end of the world. And so every time I went to a teaching, I heard about the end of the world. And then I was taught by another person that, that Jesus said, don't just teach about one thing that he's commanded us, teach about everything so that we know about the forgiveness of sin, so that we know about how he expects a Christian to live their lives on a daily basis, so that we know about the resurrection, and so that we know that everything that he's, 
he's called us to do, he empowers us to do through his spirit. And so if you're connected with a group of believers that's really kind of only zeroing in on one thing, look out. Because a lot of times when that happens, that group of believers can be led astray. We need to study the whole Bible and to hear God's whole message to us about who he calls us to be. And then at the end of this uh, great commission, he gives a great promise. One that gives me a lot of security in my life on a daily basis. And I know it does for you too. And that promise is simply that he is with you. He says, I am with you always to the close of the age. Till the time the world comes to an end, Jesus is with you. If you're going through a difficult time in your life right now, you need to know Jesus is with you. You may not feel like he is. You, because of your struggle, uh, you may think, well, I don't know where Jesus is. Where is he in the middle of this? You need to know this. Even if you don't feel that Jesus is with you, he is. Because his presence with you is not dependent upon your feelings, is it? His, his presence with you is dependent upon his promise in his word. He said, I am with you always to the close of the age, and he is. Uh, he's with you, and he's with you as he sends you out. That's his mission. Go and make disciples. And so now let's get back to the scripture, and now we're going to go to Mark, the 16th chapter of Mark, and we're going to see Jesus' word in Mark about the mission of the church. In Mark 16, starting in verse 15, we'll read through verse 17. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to the whole creation. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover. So here's the word of the Lord from Jesus in Mark about the mission of the church. And again, notice the similarities. He says, go into all the world and preach the good news to all. Uh, the good news. Remember what that is. Forgiveness of sins. Resurrection of the body. Uh, you are a child of God through faith in Jesus. That's the good news. And the good news is always about what Jesus has done. It's not just about what, you, what God calls you to do, but the good news is that is what Jesus has done and what Jesus will empower you to do. And so he says, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. And so here, we've talked about this before in an earlier study, that, that belief and baptism always go together. Now, I don't believe Jesus is saying here that baptism is necessary for salvation, because if you remember that story about the thief who died on the cross beside Jesus, uh, he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus says, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. And then he died. Uh, he didn't have time to be baptized, but we know that he was saved because Jesus said he was. And so those who are saved will be baptized because that's a natural thing to happen. Uh, baptism and salvation always go together. 
And then he goes on to say, he who does not believe will be condemned. And these are tough words. This, this is a promise just as sure as the promise of eternal life is true. This promise that he who does not believe will be condemned is also true. And Jesus made this point over in John's gospel in chapter 3, where he says, he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the one and only Son of God. And so those who do, who do not believe are walking under a death sentence already. It's not like you have to wait until you die if you don't believe in order to experience condemnation. Uh, those who don't believe are walking in that state of condemnation because they're living with their sin and they haven't been freed from it through faith in Jesus. And so that's why it's so important for the church of Jesus Christ to take the good news about the forgiveness of sin out to the world. As a believer, we should never take any satisfaction out of the fact that there will be some that are condemned. Instead, that should be that should be the, the impetus, the motivation for us to go out with that message into the, into the world so that those who are walking in condemnation can experience the same freedom that we have had through our faith in Jesus. Uh, for those who believe, we know when we studied in Romans chapter 8, we heard there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Jesus. He who, do, who believes is not condemned. Uh, and then he goes on in Mark to talk about the signs that come to those who believe in Jesus. And uh, first of all, he says, they will cast out demons. You know, there's evidence that goes along with our faith. And we talked about that in our very first study, that there's, when you believe, that there's evidence of the power of God at work in your life. And he says here that, um, that part of that power is that those who believe will cast out demons. And I have never been a part of that demon casting out gift, but uh, I know of people who have, and of a pastor in particular that ministered in, in a really tough ministry where people were, were totally bound up with spirit of fear and anxiety and anger, and through his prayer with them, they were set free. The, those, those spirits were cast out of them. I've seen that and I've known of people who've been involved in those kinds of ministries. He says they will speak in tongues. Uh, and this gift of tongues is a gift that comes to many believers to where they, they receive a language that's different from their own language. And usually wherever a gift of tongues is given, then a gift of interpretation is also given to someone within that group of believers so that the message that comes through the tongues gets interpreted. I have a friend who has that gift of interpretation. And when she's in a group of believers where someone speaks in tongues, she can interpret uh, uh, what that person is saying. And when, when you're around that, you feel the power of the Holy Spirit evidenced through those gifts. He says that they will pick up serpents and not be harmed and drink poison and not be harmed. And this is not something for for believers to go around and play games with. But if, uh, if you've ever read any stories about missionaries who've traveled the world to preach the gospel, you know that many miraculous signs like this have happened in their lives. 
Uh, we know that the Apostle Paul picked up a serpent and was bitten on the hand when he was uh, in Malta. And he threw the serpent down, and the people were amazed that he didn't die. And, uh, and the reason he was able to do that is because God gave him that ability, but also not just for Paul's protection, but because people saw that, that miraculous sign and saw that Paul didn't die, they came to faith in Jesus and believed. Um, and so we're not just to go around raising snakes that we can pick up. Or, you know, I live in West Texas and there's rattlesnakes out here. And even though I'm a believer, when I see a rattlesnake, I'm going to run. I don't want anything to do with those things. I'm not going to pick one up to put God to the test. But, uh, but those who are in the service of God, and when they have come across this kind of situation in their service of God, uh, we have many stories of how God protected them from that poison. Um, he says, you will lay hands on the sick and they'll be healed. Uh, I've, been, I've, seen, I've seen healings uh, that have come, upon, come about through, uh, through the ministry of laying on of hands of the believers to someone who's sick and they've been healed. I saw this uh, in, uh, uh, in my own life when my father had a stroke and my brother and I got around his bed. Dad was not talking, and we put our hands on Dad and prayed. And the moment we, we said amen, Dad opened his eyes, and he says, what's going on? And uh, we told him to go back to sleep. He had been paralyzed on his right side with no movement at all, and the doctors were very gravely concerned about his recovery. The next day after we prayed that prayer, Dad was up and walking down the halls of the hospital. So I've seen the Lord work through that ministry of laying on of hands and answering prayers. Uh, I have a doctor friend whose mom was diagnosed with a grapefruit-sized tumor, and he prayed for her before her surgery. And when they went in and opened her up, that tumor was gone, and the doctors were amazed. Uh, the Lord works through the ministry of laying on of hands, and uh, he gives those... Uh, those answers, not just so the person could be healed, but he gives those as signs so that those who don't believe and are witnesses of it can also come to faith. Uh, and so now I'm going to go to another part of the scripture in Acts chapter 1, verse 8 and 9, and we'll get some more information about this calling and ministry of the church. So it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and Acts. And it's Acts chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. And Jesus said, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said this, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of sight. And so the promise in this Acts 1, 8, and 9, first of all, is that you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit is, is come upon you. And and so the power of God comes upon us in the person of the Holy Spirit when we believe. Everyone who believes, I want to make sure that, that you understand this today. Everyone who believes in Jesus has the Holy Spirit. The scripture says, no man can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God is dwelling in you and you have the power in you to do what Jesus has called you to do. 
And in this situation in Acts 1, 8 and 9, the power of God that he's talking about here is the power for witnessing. And so he says, you shall be my witnesses. And a witness is, a witness is simply someone who has seen, heard, touched, or experienced the work of Jesus in their lives. Uh, you don't have to be taught to be a witness. Uh, all you have to do is have experienced something in your life. And he says, you'll be my witnesses in Judea, which is where they lived at the time. Uh, and so, so for us, that, that teaching about, well, first of all, in Jerusalem is what I meant to say. Jerusalem was their hometown. So he says, you'll be uh, his witnesses, empowered by the Holy Spirit, first of all, where you live, at home. Uh, how can you be a witness, witness for Jesus Christ out in the community and in the world if you're not living true to him in your own home? and being an example to your children, and, uh, and being a godly spouse to your husband and wife to one another. The, the witness for Jesus begins first at home, as he told the disciples in Jerusalem, and then it moves out from there to Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So wherever you are is where your witness field is. Your mission field is wherever you are. If it's at home, it's there. When you go to work, he calls you to be a witness for him there. And then out, uh, if he calls you to the ends of the earth to be a, to be a missionary somewhere, then uh, you'll go to that place, not only in your own power, but you'll go empowered by the Holy Spirit. Um, a witness, I want to talk a little bit more about that. You know, witness is really a court word. It's like a word from the legal system, isn't it? A witness is someone who's seen something, who's heard something, who's touched or handled or smelled or tasted or experienced something in any way. Uh, and so when, when I first moved out to West Texas, oh, 30 years ago or so, uh, I was working for a man who was involved in a lawsuit. And uh, I got a subpoena to come and be a witness for him in this lawsuit. And I remember being scared to death about this. What if I say something wrong? What if I mess up? And this attorney that worked for my boss, he, I'll never forget the words he told me. He called me down and he said, you know, Skip, you don't need to worry about being a witness. Uh, all you have to do is when you're up there on the stand, tell what your experience was. Tell the truth and tell your experience. And if you do that, you don't have to worry about anything else. Tell your experience. You know, a witness is that way. We're called to tell our experience. You don't have to know the Bible, uh, although it's helpful to know the Bible, but to be a witness, you don't have to be able to quote the Scripture. You don't have to be a teacher. Seminary education is not necessary to be a witness. You don't have to be an expert or be trained to be a witness. If Jesus Christ has made a difference in your life today. If you are a different person because you believe in him, if he's ever answered your prayer, if he's ever guided you in some way or provided for you in some way, if Jesus has fed you, has healed you, if he's made a difference in any way at all, then you have a story to tell. Uh, you are a witness. And... Um, and on the other hand, if Jesus has never made any difference in your life, then you're off the hook. But if he has, then you are called to tell your story so that people 
might know that Jesus is alive. He's alive because he's touched me. I've seen his work in my life. Remember when the Pharisees were asking the man who was born blind what happened to him? How did he get his sight back? He was a witness. He said, all I know is that I was blind, but now I see. He told his experience, and that's what Jesus calls you to do. Tell your experience. Let's get a little bit more now. We're going to go to the Gospel of John, verse 20, or chapter 20, and see what John says about the mission of the, of the people of God. John 20, verses 21 through 23. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I send you. And when he said this, he breathed on them. And he said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. And if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. And so Jesus starts out by saying, As the Father has sent me, so I, Jesus, send you. And um, you know, it's so easy for the people of God, they come to faith in Jesus and then they, uh, they may come to church at some point and to think that, that once they come to Jesus and go to church that everything's okay, they don't have to do anything else. And you know, uh, that is just not what the scripture teaches us. Just like in this verse, it teaches, Jesus teaches us that we are sent out with the mission. And, you know, we're not, through faith in Jesus, we are blessed. We are blessed. We are, we are blessed of God to be his children, to be, to be heirs of the very kingdom of heaven. Uh, how much more blessed could we be? But what Jesus is saying here in his, in his commission to us is we're not called to just sit around being the blessed ones. We're not called just to, uh, just to sit there being blessed. We're called to be sent out so we could be a blessing to others, so that Jesus through us can touch people and bless people when they hear his message, when they hear how he's changed our lives. And so uh, the message to you today is uh, uh, to go out with the good news. If Jesus has touched your life in any way, tell people about it. Let them know, I believe because Jesus has touched my life. I can tell you today, just like the story about my dad's healing, I've seen Jesus as wor at work. I want to give testimony, which is what a witness does. I want to give testimony to you today as you listen to this program that I know that Jesus is alive because I've seen him at work. I saw how he worked through the answer to that prayer to heal my dad that day in that hospital. I've seen and heard other people's witnesses of how he's alive. He's not just a great uh, and gifted, learned teacher from the past. He's God in, uh, in flesh who came to this earth and is raised from the dead and is alive today in heaven, sitting at the right hand of the Father and working on your behalf. Um, so he sends you out. 
And Jesus, as he sent them, he breathed on them and, and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And again, when he sends us out, he never sends us out just in our own power. He sends us out in his power. Because if I go out in my own power, I'm not going to go very far. There's no way that I can, on my own, change anybody's life. But if I go out in his power and share what he has done, he can be at work in my witness to touch someone's heart and stir their heart and bring them to faith in him. He can do that through me, not just because I'm talking on a TV program, but he can do that through you today. I know there are people in your life, if you're a believer and you've been a believer for any amount of time, I know there are people in your life that you can think of right now that would benefit from hearing uh, what 